0: It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for, it's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jodlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world.
1: Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another episode of Goat Gab, where we're going to go off the rails this week. Isn't that right, Laura?
0: We totally are. We have missed recording for you guys. Life gets busy, and and our current goal is always to hit uh, two episodes in a month, so um, we're going to hit that this month. It's just not on a regular basis, and we do apologize. I I just want to address, we did have a negative comment left on our um apple site and i you know i'm really sorry that that uh, we are disappointing some of our viewers when we or listeners rather when we don't have um, an episode every single week but just being totally transparent and honest we really want to make sure that when we do drop an episode that it's worth worth your time of listening and that we have uh, good stuff for you and sometimes that means that maybe we're going to miss a week here and there would you agree with that cameron
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this isn't keeping the lights on for us as well. So, you know, it's I, I, I have no shame in saying like this. This is a passion project of Laura and I's, and and, and we we do love it. But at the end of the day, as well, is uh, we're <laughs> Laura and I may be going in different directions uh, uh, as it pertains to just our lives,
0: right. And that's you know, that's okay. That doesn't mean that we're leaving goats, guys. So well, you know, and,
1: and that makes it sound like me and Laura are like breaking up or something. There's no there's no breakup here. <laughs> it's Laura's running one way and I'm running another way. And when we run that way it's like, oh, we have to get together on Goat Gab.
0: Right. And um, you know, it's truly for for me, it's like sitting down at a tack pin with Cameron, even though he's hours and hours away and, and just So how's it going, my friend, kind of a thing, you know, but we also, as I said, we also want to make sure that we've got content that's helpful and, you know, makes you, makes you go, hmm, or think a little bit or inspires you or uh, makes you laugh. (laughs) Those are all, those are all goals that we have. So again, that's maybe a little long drawn out. Thank you for sticking with us. And we're just really happy to be here this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely, on that front there. But, Laura, been a busy couple weeks for you, so what's up?
0: Yeah, it has been, and and again, we're kind of going off the rails, though. We do have a theme, we're going to talk about breeding uh, season, but um, I want to digress on something that I just hope gives everybody something to think about a little bit. Um, we, had, we hosted our very first Memory Lane Doe show here in Chillicothe, Missouri, so Chillicothe is about 20 minutes from my house. And, um, it's a brand new show, never been held before. We held it at the very beautiful Lytton Ag Center. And, um, it's a really kind of a premier show facility for all kinds of livestock. And we were really tickled to get to have it. We really didn't know up until really up until the show happened, if we were going to be losing our shirts and I was going to be, um, eating rice and beans for the next six months. Um, to be able to afford the facility because it was kind of an expensive one. But um, all in all, we had an absolutely wonderful show. It was a single, single ring show. Well, a junior dose, senior dose sanctioned on Saturday and a junior dose, senior dose sanctioned on Sunday, one ring at a time. And I got to tell you, Cameron, it was just delightful. It was delightful to do one ring at a time.
1: And I only heard positive feedback from people that that went.
0: Well, that's good. Your dad was one of the judges, so we were tickled to be able to drag drag him into Missouri. It's been a while since we've gotten to have him for a for a judge, and um, it was a very very quick show. Um, We had about two hundred and twelve animals shown on the first day, and just under two hundred on the second day, and it was just it was wonderful. It really was. Cameron, I don't know when I've been to a show other than state fairs where you look out and there are people who are sitting ringside watching the show and visiting with each other and um, smiling and being relaxed and clapping for the people that win. And it was just, it truly was a trip down memory lane to how I remember shows used to
1: be. Yeah, we've definitely moved. I don't want to say we've moved away from it, but we have to some extent with, you know, bigger goat shows and uh, more rings, which is good. But at the same time, is it you lose out on that experience? And Laura, you and I have a very different, for lack of a better term, we'll say ecosystem of goat shows in in our area. Does that make sense to you, Laura?
0: Well, yeah, because it's not as unusual, I think, for you to go to single ring shows, right? Because you've got lots of county fairs that sponsor ADGA sanctioned shows.
1: Correct. So we've got um, three or four you know, shows around us. I think there's actually five that, that are around us, probably within a two and a half hour or three hour drive that we can go to and we can sit and experience that. And we went to uh, two or two, I guess we went three, technically. I went to three this year that kind of had that experience there. and I really enjoy those. And my wife is always very confused because she doesn't know what to do with all of her free time.
0: (laughs) I think, you know, okay. So this is where I'm going to digress a little bit about it. I, I can understand that because I kept thinking, I mean, I, you know, I was ring stewarding or show secretary, but you know, the girls were like, it seems like we ought to be doing something. I mean, this is just so, this is almost, this is just unusually laid back. I'm like, yes, yes, it is. It's, it's really nice. And um. I feel like that, you know, there's been a lot of nastiness in Adga for several years and, you know, we're not going to go into the, all the reasons behind, beyond, you know, the, that that has happened and, and so forth. But one of the areas that I think has just been really frustrating for a lot of people is the whole, um, you're showing that doe in her regular class. I'm being cheated out of my leg. You know, that's the reason why we go to shows is to get legs. And I really feel like that this show this past weekend for me reminded me that there are things that are more important at shows rather than just getting champion legs. And, and the shows that are put on that have like four and six rings, you know, I, I do appreciate the amount of work that goes into those. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of expense. It's a lot to get the facilities and to get the logistics worked out. And if you are looking to grab as many legs as possible, then yeah, those shows are great for that. But for rediscovering the joy of showing dairy goats of hanging with your fellow exhibitors of sitting back and watching and learning. I just feel like that this weekend reminded me that that's just a beautiful thing.
1: Well, I agree. I agree. wholeheartedly there. And I think because it wasn't as stressful and you didn't have to wrangle all of these volunteers, the people that you did have to ask to help probably appreciated it or less burnout than they would at an exhausting goat show of, you know, 17 rings.
0: Yes, I think so, too. And, and, you know, we had people who came to the show that live in the area, but have been out of goats for a while. And and we used to hold a show here back in the um, early 1990s. And they came back just to watch that and said, this is just like it used to be, you know, and that was, that was just, it was just precious to to see people hugging and, you know, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you for 20 years, you know, and it, it was just, it was just really great. It was very nice. So, um, can't, can't see enough about the weekend. And of course, you know, it's September. So the weather was beautiful. I, you know, high in the, the low eighties and sunshine and a nice breeze. And so, you know, how can you complain about that? It was just beautiful. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's busy around here. So, um, you had another fair that you got to go to with your dad.
1: Yeah, I I did. And so my dad went to the sandwich fair and, Uh, we chose not to go to the sandwich fair this year because we were having, um, some repro work done and we'll talk about that a little bit later. A lot of my goats were being used for that. So, um, we chose not to go and it's just, I mean, it's not that far from my house. It's like an hour and a half ish, less than an hour and a half, but my dad went and I will tell you again, kind of that one ring show atmosphere. There was like 350 goats, you know, at a, at a count at a little podunk. Fair in the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere outside of Chicagoland, um, and it, in the middle of the week, it's a big goat show. It's it's crazy, um, but it's such a such a nice, very laid back atmosphere. Very, um, you know, everybody helps everybody. Everybody's there to help. It's it's very very nice. So I really enjoyed the sandwich fair. Um, so I went and took a day to help my dad to go do that. And it, it was really really nice to just. Kind of sit and visit with the friends, kind of like Laura talked about there, um, and really just enjoy the goat show aspect of it as well. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, so really enjoyed the Sandwich Fair. I um, had a really good time. Really I know good. your dad
0: enjoyed hanging, hanging with his friend, his homie, his, yes. his best show person too, so that was good.
1: Yes. Yeah. We really, it really, yeah. My dad had a good time. And, and that's, that's really what goat shows are about is having a good time. We put a lot of work into these goats, put a lot of work and a lot of energy and a lot of time. And don't forget we spend a lot of money as well to do all of this crap with our goats. So why not have a little fun with it?
0: Right. And you know, I know that for me, my last show is this weekend and that's always kind of bittersweet. You know, it's, I mean, shows are a lot of work, but but it's always like, oh, this is the end of the year. I've had so much fun with my daughters and, and with my other friends and hanging out with goat people that I really like. And now I'm not going to see you until next year. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's that's always that's always kind of bittersweet,
1: too. But, you know, as we were talking about it at the, at the Sandwich Fair, you can always have goat show Christmas parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can. You can. And you guys do that really well in Wisconsin. It seems like that, that your state association is so robust that you get together for a lot of fun things. Your Wisconsin uh, conference is coming up here pretty soon.
1: Yes, it is in October. Um, and then we'll have a, uh, I think we're planning to have a holiday Christmas end of the year meeting, uh, as well there. Um, I don't I think it's been set and it hasn't been announced yet, so I really can't share a lot of those details. Um, that and there. And then we we're just talking about just like a local Christmas get together with some of our local goat friends too. And I was like, that would be nice. My wife's like, we're always busy. And I'm like, I know, but talking goats with other weird goat people, like that's fun to me.
0: Right. In December, for most people, the breeding season is pretty much under control or ended up by that time. So um you know that makes it that makes it a little bit better. It's kind of like the last deep breath before you dive into kidding season.
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. It really is. I really like. Well, I like I like December. I like January too, um, but it's just cold in January.
0: I want to bring up something. Jumping back a little bit, Cameron, to um, your Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association. Um, as part of your conference, you guys have a select sale. That garners a lot of attention from the Midwest, especially because I know that people from Missouri have bid and purchased animals from that sale before you guys are doing something really cool this year that I wish on a national level that our spotlight or national sales committee would consider doing. And that is highlighting where are they now when you look at past animals that have sold in your sale and you're highlighting what they've done since they've been in their new home.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember trying to do that. I saw the Colorado I tried to do that at one point. Um, but I will tell you, it's, it's really hard to track down animals as well there because you never really know. Really?
0: Yeah. I guess I just figured that most of those people kept in touch with the breeders that, that, um, nominated them and they kind of know, you know, yeah, this has turned out or maybe that breeding didn't turn out quite so well, but you know.
1: No, I, I, I think it's hard. Some of the follow back and follow up and you know, it's like, how often do you talk to breeders about your goats that you are not in your immediate circle? Do you know what I'm saying there? Like you sell to a stranger and you know, do you do a follow up or anything there?
0: You know, I've tried, I try to, but just like the other day I had sold a buck last year to somebody and I thought, oh gosh, I need to track down their name because I'd really like to find out what that buck threw for them. And if I want to, you know, consider that breeding or, or as you've talked in years past, you know, when you, when you sell a buck to somebody, that might be something to watch for future breedings yourself. You know, if you want semen out of that buck or borrowing back or something. So, um, you know, I, I guess from that standpoint, I can understand it. it's difficult, but I, I just think that's a brilliant, I think that's a brilliant marketing thing that, uh, the Wisconsin dairy goat association is doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally there on that. Um, but other than that, Laura, I think you've, you've transitioned seamlessly from show season to breeding season.
0: Yeah. We got our first dough, got our first, first dough bread. I wouldn't say it's seamless. You know, um, I have Mr. Escape artist, you know, yep. at home, yep. and, um, <laughs> Yesterday, uh, Carolina and I were were uh, sitting in the living room talking, and we heard him very vocally kind of screeching about something. and we looked outside and you know, I've been able to trap him in his pen by putting hog panels on top of cattle panels. Okay. Okay, so you can picture how tall this is. Like,
1: it's really tall. He's basically trapped in a cage of chastity.
0: Yes. That buck had climbed the hog panel. He was precariously balancing himself with all four feet on that hog panel on top of the cattle panel. And he was vocalizing because he didn't like how unsteady it was because it was, you know, definitely wobbling back and forth because, you know, it's not supposed to have a 240 pound buck balanced on this stupid wired up panel. So Caroline went running out there and spooked him down off of it. And she's like, he is going to break his leg doing that. I'm like, yep. So now he's in the trailer.
1: He is in the sex dungeon.
0: Yeah. I have never seen, I've never seen a more determined buck.
1: Have you thought about like a chast chastity belt or something like that?
0: I don't, you know, what I really want to do is take a railroad tie and chain it to a collar around his neck so he can't climb anything, but I'm afraid he'd break his neck. I mean, he's, and he's the sweetest animal to deal with. Once you, you know, I can walk out there and if I just put my arm around his neck and grab his beard, he'll follow me anywhere. Even if a doe is standing there in raging heat, he, he, he doesn't fight me for, but he hates being isolated from the does. It's, I've never seen anything like it. Quite the ladies, man. Quite the ladies, man. Yeah. But other than that, he didn't, he didn't obviously get in with the does that I didn't want him bred to. So, um, we used a, a baby buck for the first time and he knew what he was doing. So that's always a good thing. And hopefully in 21 days, we'll see that it worked. And
1: yeah. I hope it does too. Cause I'll use that baby bucket a couple days anyway, a couple of weeks anyway.
0: Yeah. He's a beautiful boy. So um, anyway, that's it. But you are doing like
1: amazing things with breeding season. I don't know about that. I haven't bred a goat yet, Laura. Like I, I have controlled myself. I have been good this year for lack of better terms.
0: Well, I guess I shouldn't say you are breeding. You are, doing all of the layout prep work for some really exciting things.
1: Yes. So the prep work, and I will tell you the prep work is not easy, which we're going to talk a little bit about, but I have 13 goats in heat today and I got the buck out to detect heat, but I did not breed a single goat. I am at a goose egg for goat spread and I am proud of that right now. (laughs) Yep. But it It is September 14th and I have not bred a single goat. That's okay. It's all Uh, right. I was talking to my dad, and he had bred ten, and that's like a third of his herd.
0: That's what he told me, and I'm like, "You like those senior kids, huh?"
1: <laughs> he loves, he loves a senior kid, uh, and I, I, I like senior kids too. And again, when you run the numbers and you do the statistical math, if they're not a dry yearling, you're most likely keeping a senior kid uh, for the most part. As your yearlings, your two year olds, and then as you get into your older groups, statistically, when I've done the data analysis it's been an early march kid or a february kid that we have generally kept. It's not very many january kids that we keep and but we haven't had a lot of january kids to begin with. So
0: right, right. And I don't I try not to breed for january kids. I love those march kids. Those are my very fave ones. March is where it's at for me. But I,
1: you know there I also I really like if I had a favorite it would be like a little I love like a January kid. I really not January kid. I love an April kid, like an early April kid. That's real fancy and real sharp and good on her feet and legs. Like to me, if you get one of those, it's just like a chef's kiss. Well, especially
0: especially as you hit those August and September shows, man, that's where they are like really coming on to shine. And we have one junior kid, and when I look at her, I'm like, oh yeah, she's got it in the bag right now because you know she just. She just looked, she just has that look. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of the show season, it seems like those dry yearlings are the ones that are consistently topping, you know, topping out for grand champion. But now this time of year, those are the ones that are kind of looking stale and flat. I think
1: they just, they heavy their pastures have degraded maybe a little bit. They're, they're a little less clean in the front end. You know, they, they ate too many groceries during the year, you know, too much grain at goat shows. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Too much grain at
1: goat shows.
0: <laughs> My girls accuse me of overfeeding at goat shows, and I probably do because I don't like, you know, they're bored. They're in their little pins and they're bored. And I guess they're kind of like me. When I get bored, that's what I want to eat. And so, <laughs> like, oh, your hay feeders are empty. Let me give you more hay. And they're like, mom, that's why they get the runs because they're eating that top show hay all day long. They don't need it. They're fine.
1: Um, So yeah, exciting stuff Exciting stuff happening here We had our uh, IVFs today My wife uh, did those And I'm not going to share results I'm just very excited about it And I've got the recips all here So transfers will go in next week I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on all those So lots of good stuff Then we've got um, two more IVFs at the house That we're doing next week um, In conjunction with some research That my wife is doing uh, as well. So that's really exciting. And then um, I'll put more cedars in at the end of September uh, for all of our lap AIs. So I'm really excited about those.
0: Oh, that is just fun, fun, fun.
1: Yeah. It, 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 it's awesome to have a wife that does all these things. But the problem is, is that, and, and I've thought about this a lot too, and it goes back to our conversation, Laura, on breeding philosophies. They're kind of breeding how you, how, what, how you do to breed things is like, Okay, we're going to do – I think we've got nine lap AI scheduled, which is great. And if we get my, – my personal goal is like six, like 66%. I feel like that's a pretty realistic number there. Um, but we have all these kids, and we keep you know an AI doe out of everyone there, and you break that type. So it's like yeah. you, do, you do all this stuff, which is awesome, and you're so excited. But then next year, you're like, I have to come back with a herd sire on a, a lot of these does just to go back and set that type.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I was thinking that the other day, maybe that is, maybe that is a little downside to having a family member that works in reproductive technology, because now that my daughter Elizabeth is at Transova, I'm getting the the push, mom, we need to do a flush on so-and-so, or, you know, well, you know, I, I get a discount, and I think I want to learn to do this. And we can do that with this dough. And I'm sitting here thinking. I don't want to do that. I just want to do what I usually do. <laughs> I
1: don't want to do that. I, and that's that's so hard to have that conversation because I had to have that conversation with my dad. Like, I did. And I was like, let's let's phrase it like this. Would you rather have, and, and I'm not going to try to convince you, I'm not a salesperson at all. I am, but I'm not. Um, would you rather have a dough out of, would, would you rather have three doughs out of your 92 point top five dough at the national show that has won best in show at multiple shows out of that year, or would you rather have a dough out of a dry yearling that's hockey has bad front legs and a really crappy rump?
0: Yeah, those are, those are, those are good things to think about.
1: Totally. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I'm not saying you have that, but that's, that's the conversation I have with my dad is like, you could have one out of out of this dry yearling here, or you could have one out of holy, for lack of a better term. Yeah, the, and
0: then and then you have the opportunity to see if if that dry yearling can overcome the faults that you can see that seem to be looming because she's just a dry doe.
1: Yeah. That yeah. that that's kind of my idea on it there. Um, granted, we have some recent does that are older show does that we have deemed as recent does because we don't think they're going to be as competitive as five-year-olds as our two-year-olds will be so they got put into the recent pen we've got some dry yearlings that are recent pen and we got some yearlings that necessarily didn't place as high as our other yearlings milking yearlings in our recent pen too because we need bodies we needed we needed uteruses for lack of better terms
0: And where better to find those than animals that are already in your herd that you know their health status, you know how they've been raised, you know, you're not introducing somebody in the herd that's going to get the snot beat out of them for a while because, you know, alpines, I don't know, are togs that mean?
1: Togs are meaner than alpines. Oh, really? Ew. Yeah, the alpines quiver in fear.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Holy I thought was there was
0: born. nothing meaner than alpines.
1: Yeah, Holly ruled the roost at one point, but then that tog grade here that's part alpine is, is, you know, she rules the roost here. Yeah, but she's beautiful, yeah. so she can. Well, just because you're beautiful doesn't mean you can rule the roost.
0: <laughs> well, before we jump more into our discussion, because I feel like we've been touching all, along on it, Yeah. So what do we have for Aga News to chat, chat about?
1: Um, um, well, convention registration opened. I saw that was today actually. And I saw some people signing up already.
0: Yeah. That's so exciting. It's going to be such a fun convention.
1: Well, yeah, it's coming, coming to district five there.
0: Yes. And we haven't had one. We haven't had a convention in district five, I think since like maybe 2005. So Mm. it's really exciting to do that and uh, so happy that melanie and yolanda two of our past guests are the co-chairs and they've just been working their little hind hind ends off so it'll be an awesome week so much so much offered for adults and kids and people of all kinds of different different walks of dairy goats you're good there's something for everybody there
1: yes there is absolutely so that's that's really exciting there anything else laura
0: one other thing i'd like to bring up um on the Facebook, there have been a lot of people who have who have um, been concerned that when they've gone to register their goats, um, the word the pops up in front of us. So like like in my case, instead of being registered as um, Maple Wind, hi, you can't catch me, it would be the Maple Wind, hi, you can't catch me or whatever. So... Um, Anyway, that usually only happens when somebody's membership has lapsed. And in these cases, people have been like, but my membership is current and it hasn't lapsed. So why has that happened? Um, I'm not an IT person, so I can't tell you why it happened. But what I can happily tell you is that it has been fixed. So if you had that issue and you stopped your registration because you're like, I don't want to register an animal that has the at the beginning of its her name, you should be good to go now and be able to... Uh, go ahead and register now. So that's, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. More well, awesome sure. things to hear. All right, Laura, let's kind of dive in talking about breeding season mechanics. We're already in breeding season here, but what things to consider before you breed 10 goats in the first week of breeding season?
0: Right. And, and we did kind of touch on some breeding season on our last episode. So this is kind of a continuation with that then, but I always think, you know, right now, if you breed goats right now, you're looking at, February kids, mid-February kids. Um, so for nationals, that's that senior kid class, which is always a nice class to have. Those kids are usually going to be big enough to breed next year. But what other things do you kind of consider, Cameron, when you think about who do I want to breed now and who do I want to wait for a while?
1: Yeah, so I always like to start, and this is gonna sound weird, but with my dry earlings.
0: Okay. So do you want them to you want them to be your first ones?
1: I, I, yeah, they generally are, because they generally cycle um, faster than my milkers do, have done in the past. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so generally the first ones that we have are, are the dry yearlings. So we'll we'll pick out the dry yearlings, and I like them to kid early. That way we can give them and excuse them to have a little bit more time. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Yes, because many times those dry yearlings have maybe a little bit of extra fluff to... Yeah. Uh, Work through before they um, get into the show ring. If you're showing, and and otherwise, just you know, they need need a little more time. Something else I like about those dry yearlings, um, if they're not going to work out, you know, if if for whatever reason that animal isn't going to stay. You can make that decision early on and get them moved down the road before maybe other animals that you know are going to stay start freshening then. Um, Maybe they're going to be there for some extra milk, and that's great, but then move them on out so that you're not driving yourself crazy milking a whole bunch of animals all at once.
1: Yes, and I'll take that a different direction with dry yearlings. Generally, they don't have the same size of the mammary system as a first freshener that a second freshener would. So it gives them more time so you can see that udder expand and contract. And 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 what that does is that helps you get a better picture of what she's going to look like when you do go show her. So that's my number one. Number two, utter texture and quality problems may come up as well in these dry yearlings because of for whatever reason. So that allows them to work that out a little bit longer and gives you a little longer time in order to, to kind of see that as well. So that's my number two reason why. I like to freshen dry yearlings first there um, on that. Yeah, I think that, that makes all kinds of of good sense there. Um, uh, what do you do – my next question for you, Laura, is what do you do with goats that were dry the last year?
0: Like that were not yearlings, but like maybe mature does that didn't freshen for whatever reason? Yep. Um. Uh, okay. I'm just gonna throw this out of here. I haven't had that issue. Oh, except well, I guess I did a couple of years ago. Um, I had a doe who had aborted and then didn't go. I was just glad to get her bread whenever I could get her bread. She didn't end up kidding until June, but that was not that was not my preference. My preference was to breed her as soon well as possible.
1: Yeah. No, I no. So I I think that I like to go as fast as possible. I like to include them in that group with that dry yearlings. I want to get them bred or ensure their bread at an earlier time frame.
0: Yes. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that too. One so, of the things that we've, that we've kind of had, and, and again, I, you know, I have, a, I have a small herd, especially compared to a lot of people, but um, typically in my family, we don't keep a lot of dry yearlings. I have several this year, but as a rule, I usually don't. And so then I'm faced with, okay, the older does are coming in heat first and these are already does that have proven their place in my herd. So I want to keep them. And, you know, along that they're probably the ones that I want to keep doe kids out of because I know that they're already, you know, a a strong dam. So if I go ahead and breed them for my older kids, that works out fine for next year because then I'll be able to breed them. But sometimes those does it's it's hard to keep them at their at their real peak for show season. If you freshen really early, do you find yeah. that true?
1: Because they tend to get a little staler towards the end, so if they're, they freshen in January. They'll look a little stale in September, right?
0: And so, not that I go to that many September shows, but. Um, I remember back when the national shows used to be held in September instead of, you know, sometimes August, but a lot of times September, when they used to be part of state fairs around the country. And, um, you know, you saw a lot more junior kids because people would hold off on freshening those doughs.
1: Well, and I think about that as well, as if what's, what's your goal? Do you want to be competitive at the national goat show, which is in July, or do you want to be competitive at your state fair, which is August, or do you want to be competitive at our, at our, you know, our mid sat or our more September, even in October? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of goat shows in September more than there were back a a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And especially for our listeners that live in the, the, um, you know, South, like in district five, you know, we've got like the Tulsa or the Oklahoma, Arkansas fair and, and the Tulsa state fair and different, different shows like that that happen later in the year. So, you know, are you going to breed for specific, specific shows that way? And I think that's another one of those cases where if you know your does, like, you know, that this doe looks phenomenal when she's, a month and a half fresh or two months fresh, she might be one that you're going to breed to kid in May so that when you hit that July national show, she is like at her prime. Whereas if you have another doe that, you know, takes a little bit longer to get into her stride, you might go ahead and breed her earlier so that, that she looks best. So, you know, as you're considering your breeding season, be thinking about what your goals are for the year and and where you're going to be going with them.
1: So Laura, let me ask you this question here. If you were to, I don't want to say quantify this, but, and I know it's different on every goat, but a ballpark general rule. If you have a goat freshened in February, when do you think she looks her best?
0: I I really think for February, like May and June is okay. when they look her best. That, that's my thought, you know, because they've, they've gotten through the, if, if they had a little bit of a rough kidding, they've gotten through the wonky rump stuff. Um, you know, they should really be peaking at their milk production at that point and, and, you know, just, just really live in the life at that point. They're not, they haven't been looking so long that they've really lost all their conditioning, but um, that that's what I think. What do you think, Cameron?
1: Um, no, I was going to say July, actually. I, yeah. I think it's July. It's right. They hit their stride. Yeah, I feel like the best time to show a goat is they're coming off their peak milk production. Does that make sense? They're on the There's downhill. Part,
0: starting on the downhill. I can see that. Sure.
1: Because they're, they're gaining weight. They're not putting so much effort towards lactation. Um, they are really focused on, um, you know, getting that body condition back. Their legs aren't degrading because, you know, maybe they're milking so much and their back legs are going to, to heck in a hand basket. Um, you know, their, their front ends, maybe a little out of whack still because of kidding or something like that. So, I really, th- I really want to catch goats on the downhill slide as they go into nationals. And I think February, especially when it's in early July, it's it's better. But now that we've kind of moved to this mid to late July, I don't think it's as good. February kids aren't as strategic as March kids. Um, but that's not to say I'm not thinking that, hey, I want to show a fun senior kid at the national show as well.
0: Yeah, I can see all those points. And um – You know, just from a very selfish standpoint, I really wish we'd move national shows back to June, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just just because it's just not so stinking hot to travel. You know, the Midwest, July in the Midwest is is just miserable, but you know, it is what it is. And I know that there's probably lots of reasons why they, they hit mid July for the national show, but.
1: What? So let's keep going down. I want to keep going down. Just just so the listeners, if they're writing something down or if they're thinking or huh, if you have a goat that kids in March, which most of your goats kid in March, when you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of mine what? do. Yeah. If um, when do you think they hit their peak?
0: Um I have always felt like that my does look their very best at the state fair. So that would be mid August.
1: Okay. And then your April do you think your April's kind of peak out at State Fair as well?
0: Um State fair a little bit after that.
1: Yeah. 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 I do like their like after state fair looks in blue. You know what I'm saying there?
0: Right. And, and like, for me, my favorite linear appraisal dates have been the ones that have been August and September. I know a lot of people really grumble about a September appraisal date, but I really like those. I like those dates.
1: Okay. Well, I just want to kind of get some dates, concrete dates down. But let me ask you this question, and this is going to kind of be on the scope of the topic, but I think it's important to ask: Do you think they look their best because that's when you want them to look their best, and you put more time and energy to getting them to look their best for the state fair, or do you think it's because of the lactation curve or when they kid it out?
0: Wow, that's... Hmm, I'm going to, have to think about that. You already do you already have a thought on that? While I'm thinking.
1: Yes, I, I think it, I think it's the latter as compared to that there. Um, whereas I noticed that the Indiana State Fair, our goats looked really, really good. But I think at Wisconsin State Fair, they look so much better than they did. And I think it's because – I don't want to say I, d- I didn't want them to look good at the Indiana State Fair, which was in July. But I, the Wisconsin State Fair is like – when you live in a state, it means so much more. The state fair means so much more to you than a, than, than not a living in the state. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. No, I I would agree with that. I think for me, it's part of that because, you know, I've, as I've said multiple times on this uh, podcast, the Missouri State Fair is my very favorite show to go to. I mean, very favorite. Um. So, yes, you know, we try to put a lot into it. But I also think another part of that question is you, you only have so much time in your day that you can allot to goats. And those earlier shows for me, I, I still got kids on the land bars and kids that I'm, you know, extra vigilant about to make sure that, you know, we don't have parasite problems or coccidia problems or that everybody's growing. And, you know, I'm way taping every couple of weeks and making sure that they're on a good growth curve and, 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 all of these extra things. So I don't have as much extra time to put into the, to the milking does, you know?
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, let's talk about those older does. Okay. I want to jump back to that because I think that when you're, when you're thinking about your breeding season, At least for me, I know that I'm always thinking, especially those older, older does like over seven year olds, you're always a little bit concerned that, you know, maybe reproductively you're going to have some challenges getting them settled or, you know, maybe they're not releasing so many eggs or maybe, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not quite. Quite the the easy breeding that maybe she was three or four years earlier than that. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh no, I actually kind of disagree here on the older some of the older does. Okay, I feel like they're just hormonal old sassy girls. I'll I'll reserve the word for what I am actually thinking, um, and I just <laughs> want to. Land.
0: We want to keep it rated G.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I. I I find a lot of older goats want to get bred sooner rather than later.
0: Well, it's, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not the wanting. Yes. I would agree with that. I mean, it's almost like as soon as the days start getting shorter and a little bit cooler, man, they are standing by the buck pin flagging their little heads off or their little tails off. You know, it's not that I just, I, I just worry about, you know, condition wise. Are they, are they good? Are they going to release more than one egg at a time? you know is this pregnancy going to be hard on them this year because you know i think you have to look at the fact that every time you have an animal that kids that is an opportunity for something to go wrong with that doe kidding
1: mm. and see this is where i'm going to i'm going to push back a little. and, and my, well, i'm not going to push back excuse me i'm going to say my biggest concern is getting multiples out of my older does and that releasing that one egg is more of a problem um as compared to um younger dose. Like that's my biggest concern too is like uh, and I don't know if it happens like earlier in terms of heats or later in terms of heats, but like that single I found that the, the you know that single egg that gets released or that implants actually there, maybe there's more that get released, but they all don't implant there, um, is, is the bigger problem in my older dose versus um maybe keeping condition on them or other things.
0: Right. Now that I would agree with. And, you know, case in point, my oldest doe in the herd right now, I've had single doe kids from her for the past two years. I'm like, okay, this is a doe who used to always give me um, triplets and quads, and now we're getting singles. So I'd really like to have twins. (laughs) You know, so that's, you know, I think that's something you need to consider when you look at older does is, um, you know, what are we looking at as far as what they're going to be able to produce? What kind of a condition do you have them in? Do you need Do you need to spend that extra time of um, maybe flushing their flushing them so that they maybe release more eggs? Do you need to use something um, hormonal wise to help them do that? Of course, you know there's that's always kind of a, a slippery slope there because you don't want to you know you don't want your eight year old to, to kid with uh, quintuplets, I don't think I think that's a lot to ask for an eight year old doe, but
1: yeah, we've had that before, actually, and four of them were dead. So that's something that I I, nice. uh, I would I would never want. I don't want to see in those animals there. So um, yeah, I'm, I get very skeptical about you know nutritional flushing because again we have to caveat with the nutritional flushing versus other types of flushing that's done to um, do for embryo transfer and IVF and all sorts of stuff there on that. There um, you know nutritional flushing to me is is not a great tool in the toolbox if you're not providing high quality nutrition already.
0: Right. I I would agree with that. And I, you know, I think along with that high quality nutrition, you cannot ignore the importance of a good mineral. You know, they need to be, they need to be well balanced. You need to have good mineral. Um, And that, that should have started a couple of months ago, but if you haven't done it yet, there's no time like the present, make sure you have, a good balanced mineral for your dairy goats that are going to support, um, you know, reproductive health and then support that mom and, and the load of kids she's carrying while she's pregnant.
1: Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm, I'm pretty skeptical on the nutritional flushing side of the things just because, you know, I, I think two or three kids there on, you know, when I think about my, I don't know, Laura, what's your kidding average?
0: Well, it always used to be, uh, twins or Twins plus, like 2.3, 2.5, that's how, what it all was, was. Last year, it was below twins. We, I had a lot of singles last year. And um, that's why I, I guess I am maybe a little more of a believer in, in nutritional flush because at the time that I was breeding them, we had some hay issues, getting good hay. So um, they were on a declining nutritional plane at the time that we um bred a lot of them and i feel like that that probably hurt hurt my average
1: yeah yeah i i, I think that too and uh, and that makes sense to me there in terms of you know when you decrease that quality hey so yeah
0: yep yeah. so um so what else do we want to discuss on those we can't hey Cameron, how old is too old for a dough?
1: depends depends what you want to do you know what I'm saying there? How much extra effort do you want to take? Like my my thought is is if you want to build them like a basically a, a warming box and you want to let them live in there and you want to give them the best nutrition that that they can, you know, they can kid when they're 11, 12 year, years old, you know what I'm saying there? But if you yeah don't have a setup for that and you can't be hyper vigilant on managing that goat. um, You know, I, I probably think about nine, 10.
0: Well, yeah. I, and I would agree with all of those comments. And I think about animals in my herd, you know, there are some does who are just sturdier. You know, you think about, you think about uh, the, the old phrase, um, the will to milk and the strength to sustain it there are just some doughs that that put all of their everything into that milk pail but maybe don't have the strength that dough may may not be a great candidate for kidding up into our teens whereas another dough um you know maybe could handle that with absolutely not even blinking an eye and still be kidding at 12 and 13 years of age so i think you just have to kind of know your dough and and um I know that for me, after the age of ten, if I get a kidding out of a doe after ten, I see that as a huge blessing. It's not something that I expect her to do, and um, you know, if it's going to be to the detriment of the doe's health and she's just not not in a good shape, it's retirement pen for her. I won't. I won't ask her to do that.
1: Yes, I, I will also say that you and I probably have different versions of the retirement pen as well. There, whereas I won't keep a goat in the retirement pen unless she's probably breeding or something like that there on that. So yeah.
0: Well, and I think too, another management tool that you can stick into your toolbox, just because you breed a doe doesn't mean that you need to keep her in milk for her whole lactation. Um, Because we've had older does before that we've bred and we've kidded and then we just dry them off. We just don't milk them after that. And they've done just fine with that.
1: And this is where I've had the exact opposite of that experience really Where yeah whereas we bred a we bred a 10 year old we freshened her and then we dried her up after she kidded, and that about killed her. She looked so bad and went so downhill after we dried her up. it was like she almost had no will to actually live anymore.
0: Oh that that breaks my heart.
1: Yeah, it was weird. it was really weird never seen anything like it. Whereas like, I don't I think it's goats that are in that mindset. You know, you've trained them since they're yearlings to, to do that there. And then when you break them out of that routine, for lack of a better terms, they, they're like, I I don't even know what to do with myself.
0: Oh, wow. So again, I guess you just have to kind of know your goat. I mean,
1: yeah. Like I, like mm -hmm. I, I didn't expect, I mean, like, I thought we knew our goat and we knew her well and, and you know, she was, she was 10 and, like we were like, okay, we're just going to dry you up and we'll put you, we'll put you in the dry pen after that. Cause we had a dry pen at the time and it, she did not thrive in the dry pen.
0: Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. I yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do, I struggle with the concept of breeding and then drying up or, you know, kidding out and then drying up right away there because it almost, I don't know. I think they do need that will to milk a little bit was well there to give them some purpose.
0: Well, yeah, I I, I can see that point too. So maybe it's one of those things that if you try it and you see she's going down here, like, okay, well, we will, let's just milk you once a day.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that people haven't done it successfully. I'm just telling you from that experience, that concerns me there. And then if you want that goat, maybe the next year she freshens, she looks like a rock star. What's that body trained to do then to go back to that last year where that's done and, and that's not super healthy for the animal either.
0: So I guess that brings me to a question for you. And again, kind of associated with breeding things. Um, I have had people told who have told me that if your does get used to being dried up early, like I know a lot of people that wait until the state fair is over and then they dry them off right after state fair. So, you know, they could have a March to August lactation. That if you do that for their first lactation, you kind of set them up to do that in the future. Has that been your experience?
1: Yes, yes, it has. That's because I will. Here's my example. Here, I am currently drying up after my September test, which I've already had. My yearling milkers, okay, and those yearling milkers are working hard. Um, however. I was drying up a four-year-old too. And those yearlings don't necessarily want to dry up. And I kind of want them to, to get a little bit more growth and development on them as well. And they got a short lactation and they're not even close to getting their stars type thing. Cause most of them fresh into late March um, there. So, so like we're not, I'm not worried about that at all, like getting stars or whatever on them. My biggest thing is getting them a little bit more growth and development, but they are, they are so hard to slow down because they're so used to going a uh, hundred miles an hour for lack of a better terms right now so as i have a four-year-old right now who was freshened as a yearling dried up very quickly after that she did not freshen as a two-year-old due to some choices that my my wife had to make when she was in vet school freshened then as a three-year-old came in with not a lot of milk not super productive at all came in as a four-year-old milked okay she actually got her star this year um, on on fat production but i will tell you that when i took her to once a day um, she looks like she is about ready to give up milking like completely. And it, and it went from zero to 60 really quick wow. because she's, she's so used to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see, I can see where that could, could happen too. I mean, I think honestly, um from a human lactation standpoint, we've seen that happen with people too. So, yeah. um, Interesting. So that's another aspect too, you know. If if um maybe that's another good reason to to breed those dry yearlings early, and maybe even some of your um, first freshening yearlings, breed them a little earlier so you can make sure that they get a decent lactation to kind of set their milking mindset with that first lactation.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, so one thing I want to talk about too, is have you ever thought about using breeding as a tool to dry off?
0: Yes, I have done that before. Um, and it's funny to me, at least in my herd, it seems like different families approach that or do a little differently with that. I have some does that, that before they even miss their next heat cycle, I can tell you that they're bred because their lactation almost drips to nothing. And then other does, I think you could milk them through their whole lactation
1: and never see a difference with that. Have you, has that been your experience? Um, a little bit there on that. And I, I think you can milk them past that while they're pregnant, but it gets hard as you, cause your body is trying to do two different things, maintain a pregnancy and go through a lactation as well. Yes. So sure. I, I like to use it as a tool for the heavier producing nodes. I really do like because uh, they'll, they'll almost start drying themselves up, which
0: is great. Because yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Because I think there's nothing more frustrating than a doe that you're trying to dry off, and you know maybe you're you're going to skip a milking, and she comes in like showering full and miserable, and you're like, well, bless her heart, I can't do that. You know, it sometimes it's hard to get those does to dry off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it is hard, especially those really high, heavy producers. And my biggest concern about drying them off is that if if you don't use pregnancy or some type of hormone stimulation that's natural there in order to get that and that you just cut them off cold turkey there, it's hard for them to recover for next year. And really, you know, in our yearlings and our two-year-olds, we want them to, you know, grow a little bit as well there until they get to that full maturity of four. But we also want them to, to increase their milk production.
0: We do. And um, there's, to me as a breeder, it's really frustrating those few does that you have that you're like, man, you're milking just as much as a two-year-old is what you gave me as a yearling. This is not good. You know, you want, you want them to, to go ahead and increase every year for you. Yeah. So what else do we, oh, I guess that brings me to another question for you do you have a cutoff date? Like if you have does that for whatever reason, hasn't haven't gotten bred, do you have a date that you're just like, okay, now we're done. We're not doing this. We're not going to breed. You're just going to stay dry.
1: No, I don't. I do not. I'm crazy. And because what, what do we, what, what is the goal? And I think about it like this. What is the goal of your goats? Is it, you really enjoy the goats and you just like hanging out with them, then that's fine if you have a cutoff date of that there. Um, but our goal is to go to goat shows and, and succeed and do well and, and really enjoy the competition aspect of it. So our goal is that. So I will try to breed a goat up until probably February. Okay.
0: So that gives you July kids. Yes. Like Cabo?
1: Like, well, Cabo's a June kid. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yes, like Cabo there. Um, a June kid. Um, but my thing is, is that that's kind of our what we want. Like we want to show goats. Like that's what we really, really enjoy showing goats. And if you have a goat that freshens in June, that gives you a pretty fun goat show. If you do do later club shows to show a little bit later on as well.
0: Yes, and then you've got that treasure of all junior or dry dough classes to play with the next year, that coveted junior yearling class.
1: Yes. And I love the junior yearling class. And Laura was like, Cameron, you're crazy. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast here. Uh, so
0: so talk, let's talk about it.
1: Yes. There was a, there was a quote from, um, a licensed judge. I'm not going to say his name, but a uh, very good judge and a, a friend to many. He said, I love junior yearlings. They provide the femininity that you see in a junior kid-esque there that's not too heavy, has a pretty neck and be sharp and clean, but they also have the power and the strength that a dry yearling can have. And again, that's if you do it right and you do it tastefully, uh, which is so hard to do in my opinion. But that's why I will, if I can, I will breed for May kids.
0: Well, so, and I will tell you why I, I mean, I've had junior yearlings. I, I actually do like showing junior yearlings, but why in my herd, this junior yearlings often are the ones that get, that get cut and sold because they are junior yearlings. Mm-hmm. It is, I feel like I spend so much effort trying to get those May, late April, but especially May and June kids to grow well whether you know, and it could just be my management. It it's, I feel like I'm always fighting coccidia and worms and the heat. And they, you know, they just don't grow as well as those February and March kids do.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree on that. It's just, I, I just really like a junior. Like I have a really pretty call it a tiny tot kid or kid born in May. And I really, really like that kid. And I'm like, okay, like, This kid's going to be fun. I think she's going to be a fun junior yearling there. And I don't mind the junior yearling being born in May. Now, I will tell you that in the spring, it is a pain. It is a pain to have those born.
0: Yeah, and around here, those are the ones that turn into the spoiled brats because they're the last baby. So you know, oh, we'll let them get out and we'll let them come be my lap goat while I'm milking, and they don't learn boundaries, and they're just they're just a pain to deal with. Besides the not growing well thing, <coughs> Cabo. <coughs>
1: Yes, I get it. Cabo doesn't grow well. I get it. But if you can get your junior yearlings through the ugly stage, the ugly stage is like November through almost like March. Like if you can just bear with them long enough to get through the uglies they're they're, they're going to turn into a beautiful flower.
0: Well, and, and I'm not saying that Cabo hasn't grown well or anything. I think she's adorable. But I, I am going to say she, you cannot tell me that she's not spoiled.
1: Oh well, uh, yes, we know we know that Cabo is spoiled. Okay, we 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 get we get that she's spoiled. I, I know that, but it's like I also know that goats like Cabo. Then, if you do want to do advanced reproductive work, make great recipes as well. There,
0: yeah, no, you're you're totally right, and I get it. So it's one of those things I think as a breeder you have to just balance out. Is the extra work of having late kids, future junior yearlings? going to be beneficial
1: in the long run
0: and i think you've proven that for you guys it is definitely beneficial
1: we, we my dad has a really pretty two-year-old that was junior yearling like in, in first place junior yearling at the national show and like really pretty junior yearling there and proof that hey you can do it and they can be just as competitive there um in, in that junior yearlings and lots of commercial guys they do they do like junior yearlings as well because they can be bred for fall fresheners
0: Yeah. And then uh, we had a son that was an October kid and she was, she was great. And it was a lot of fun. And you know, those late, those late born goats, especially as you're looking at like early fall goats, those are fun to take to shows because you've got this massive doe that may be on a second freshening and she's still considered a yearling because she hasn't had her second birthday yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You are, you are correct there on that. So that's the other thing to consider. Uh, breeding mechanics. One thing I kind of want to go over with you, Laura's on your AIs. Do you have a cutoff date on your AIs?
0: Yeah. If I can't get them settled by, um, April, I'm done AIing or by, I'm sorry, by November, <laughs> by the 1st of November, if I haven't got them settled AI, it would have to be a really specific, special breeding for me to go beyond November 1st. Cause I, I, you know, really I'm looking at, okay, we need to get a bread to kid in April or early May at this point. So that's my rule. Do you have a, do you have a date?
1: Yeah. It's generally the first or second cycle. I, I don't think we really have like a date per se, but it's, we're also kind of be realistic with ourselves as well. Like, do we want to take the time to do the AI, thaw the straw, you know, do everything you need to do to do a transcervical AI because we're not going to do a laparoscopic AI past probably October 15th-ish. Yep. So, okay. so I don't, I, 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 yeah, I'm just, I, I won't do that. Um, but I might do a transcervical AI later. And then if it doesn't stick, there's my Jane, gen- there's my, you know, my, my may kid. Sure. Right. I can see that. My- and I, don't, I don't do
0: lap AI, so when I'm talking AI, I'm talking about transcervical. So.
1: Gotcha. Uh, My biggest, my just thought and concern is always, okay, if it doesn't stick, okay, we have to get our bread at some point there. Right. Yeah. That's what, that's
0: what the concern is because, you know, again, we don't want to leave them dry for that year. And, um, especially when you're looking at July kids, I don't want to take a goat, I I don't want to be gone at national show when somebody's kidding. So, yeah, there's there's just a lot to consider there.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. On AIs, I kind of want to talk briefly about this here. On your AIs, do you ever want to go more than one round? Do you want to say, you know, it's September 1st and your goat's in heat, you do an AI, she doesn't stick. Do you want to go a second round?
0: Uh, I have, I have done that. Okay. It really depends on the doe and the breeding. You know, if I'm, if I am like adamant that I really want to breed a future junior herd sire, for example, I would do it. I would try it twice. I won't do more than twice. Okay. Um,
1: and then what?
0: Yeah. If I, Otherwise, no. I'll I'll do it once, then I'll I'll back up, and and you know go to my live
1: breeding. Gotcha. And then, do you ever do three rounds with Jose Cuervo? <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. What do you do?
1: Um, if it's something we really want to make, we'll do it twice. But if it's but if the live reading excites us just as much as the AI breeding. No, we'll just do that. I mean, I we generally don't go past once, unless it, unless it's like into September. Like, if you go into September and it's like, oh yeah, this is good. But like, if you're past October twentieth and you're doing an AI, that's just that's just playing with fire. You're just you're in my opinion you're setting yourself up to breed a goat. And you're not that goat's not going to be bred again until late d- in November. So.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and then there's always a chance that maybe that's not going to take. And then, Oh shoot. You know, now you're really up against a wall. I I can tell you this 90% of the time I can tell you if an AI is going to stick or not
1: Mm.
0: when I do it. Like, like I just, I just know if it's it, I can tell you if everything felt right, it's probably going to, going to take, And if I'm iffy about it, it's probably not going to take. I don't know that I've gotten any iffies settled. Is that if that makes any sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense to me there. Um, One other thought I had is do you have a rule of thumb you have on your kids, or is it whenever they come into heat?
0: Um, I really follow that. They've got to be at least 80 pounds before I'll breed them. Mm hmm. And I really don't li- I have freshened some at eleven months, but I really don't like to freshen them before they hit that twelve month mark okay. Do you have a rule of thumb that you follow with your kids?
1: No, I don't I wait so some of these some of these kids are actually uh, some of my kids this year are actually the recips for our goats, so um some of them may be kidding actually before they're over a year old um, but they're also uh, the two that will be doing that are actually over like 110 pounds. So it's, it's no big deal on the weight scale there. Um, they're, they're pretty fat. So, um, I, I'm not too concerned about that generally, but I won't breed a kid until October.
0: Okay. Well, I have two kids that are bred. Oh, <laughs> so kind of spicy. Well, um, yeah. Uh, not, I'm not terribly happy about them being bred, but, um, you know, they're both 90 plus pounds, so I'm not too worried about it. And they'll freshen just a little bit before their first birthday, but not too much. So.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha there. Um, that that's, yeah, I I don't want, I don't know. I want to, I want to kind of ease into milking too. Now, do you think about breeding mechanics, do you want to ease into milking or do you just want like a dump it all out? And all of a sudden 13 goats are kidding.
0: I like the dump it all out and all of a sudden 13 goats are kidding. I really prefer that to me again, you know, when you've got at, when you look at limited time to me, it's a lot of work for the first couple of weeks, you know, getting into the milking, having all these kids that need to be fed and taken care of and, and all of that. And then it's easy sailing when you've got the majority of your um, breeding season done. I like it that way. But um, if I'm going to pull a milking machine out to milk three or four, I might as well, well milk 12 at the same time.
1: So Gosh. you like, you like to ease into it. I, I do like to ease into things and I'm like mentally prepare myself. I like in February, I'm not going to be mentally prepared in order to milk 13 goats with the milk machine.
0: <laughs> well, and you know, you're a little bit colder up there than we are here too
1: yeah yeah we we are I, uh, that is something to consider there when it comes to breeding mechanics as well as what's your temperature like and what's your barn like
0: right because you know some of our listeners probably milk outside or you know maybe in a three sided shelter and those winter winds can get really cold so that makes it that makes it kind of challenging.
1: yeah, yes, it does Laura we've we've went along over our hour ish but great conversation.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's like anything else, make a plan, mindfully figure out why you're going to do what you're going to do and, and try to try to look at all of the options there. Think about what works best for your locale, for your setup, for what your goals are. And uh, we hope everybody has a really successful breeding season.
1: Yeah, we really do too. Hopefully they learn a little bit, taking in kind of some of the thought process we have there on that and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. So as always, Karen, where can they find us on the World Wide Web?
1: Um, they can find us anywhere where they get their podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um, you can find us on the Facebook. Go ahead and like that page. Drop us some feedback. Again, we listen to your feedback. We, we really do. And we do try to implement it. Um, however, again, we are just two people that do a podcast for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so thank you for being part of our family. We hope everybody um, has a great week and a successful breeding season. And we will see you all on our next episode of Goat Gap.